look out either side. I can't look left and right. If an elephant charges out and starts chasing us, let me know. And welcome to this episode of Tripology. I'm Alan, and I'm here with the ever-solipsistic Adam. Alan, I won't lie, mate, you're going to have to explain that one to me. The philosophical principle of solipsism, the idea that nothing exists outside of your own mind, and I've chosen that word for you today because you're over there in your own room, in your own mind, thinking about the future on you by your lonesome, but I'm here with a man who doesn't have any adjectives as of yet, because I've not prescribed them to him, but we could use handsome, attractive, Irish, beautiful. He's been my travel companion for the last nearly a month now. I'm sat here in a dorm room speaking to you, Adam, across the airwaves with Johnny. Good afternoon, all. How are you doing? Fantastic, Johnny. Cheers for coming on, mate. I've heard little bits about you, but I'm really looking forward to meeting you. Listen to that voice and tell me it's not one of the most charismatic things that's ever entered your ear hole. Me and Johnny have been travelling together for a little while. We did a little bit of India together. Now we've done all of Sri Lanka together and we're here to tell you, Adam, and the listening audience all about that journey. Wicked. How long have you two been together in total now? In a relationship, we've been together for, I mean, it's early days. Uh, Still in that honeymoon period, I would say. I I think it's three and a half weeks in total together. Since we started counting properly. Yeah, you know, there's a bit of a mishap at the beginning, but uh, yeah, three and a half weeks. Yes. Oh, is the mishap something we discuss on the podcast or? Oh yeah, we can discuss everything. There's nothing we hide from the listening audience. So me and Johnny met at a bus stop on account of the fact that I didn't have any bug spray. Yes, I noticed a man frantically coming inside, outside, trying to avoid the mosquitoes. And I had some bug spray and kindly offered it to him. And the rest kind of in history. It turned out we were going to the same location, separate buses. Uh, Bangalore was where we were heading. But um, yeah, since then, we've kind of been inseparable, I would say. Yeah, man. We went from, I was getting peppered with mosquitoes. It was real intense. Johnny was on a slightly more expensive, better bus than me. So we met, he doused me in DEET. Then he went off on his nice bus. I went off on my bus. I quickly got a mugged in Bangalore. The audience have heard that story. And then we reconvened in a hostel in Bangalore. We were hanging out on accounts of we were the only real travelers in that hostel. We went to a wild party together, sort of bacchanalian affair. We met a guy who self-professed that he he ran Bangalore. He invited us to a villa. We were dunking in swimming pools. We were dancing around, boogieing with a load of um, Russian models. It was pretty crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was one of those nights that just appeared out of nowhere. It was a quiet one. Me and Alan just having a couple of beers, and we decided to go to a rooftop bar. And by chance, it was the place to be in Bangalore on Saturday night. And things just escalated. And I think, like any night, those spontaneous ones are are always the most memorable. So that was a pretty special. That was probably our second day together, I think. Yeah, second day, and it kicked off a wonderful career in travel together. We've been a terrible twosome going around Sri Lanka now. So now that you're traveling together, when it comes to the decision-making, you're sort of roughly on the same trip anyway. You're (laughs) having sort of like meetings about where you want to go next or how long you're going to be there for. I'll, I'll let Alan answer that one. Yeah, the reason we're laughing is because I self-professed, just told Johnny on like day four of us hanging out, 
he had a very stringent plan of what he wanted to do in Sri Lanka. He had a whole itinerary in mind. Yeah. And I, I basically saw this as an opportunity to take a month off planning or deciding anything. So I was like, Johnny, mate, I'm going to level with you. Is it cool if I literally just crowbar myself into all of your plans? I don't want to decide what I'm doing when. I don't want to decide how to do it. Whatever you want to do, I'm in for it. Let's go Sri Lanka together. And Johnny very graciously agreed. Yeah, you know, now we're coming to the end of our time together in Sri Lanka and potentially for a while, you know, maybe it wasn't quite the right decision, but I think, <laughs> I think overall it was, uh, it was a strong one. He's been a constant, loyal travel companion, I would say. And I'm one of those people who's quite uh, detailed in terms of their planning. So, you know, I didn't really mind having an additional person come Why on. don't you think it was the right decision? Or was that just fish? Just a little bit of sarcasm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just comic effect. Oh, my feelings, listeners. But it's been dead good because, look, I've been traveling a long time. Yeah, man. I think it's something I'm quite good at, dude. But it gets exhausting constantly planning. So having someone who had a really stringent idea who was on the same wavelength as me in terms of like, Johnny's a long-term traveler. He's working whilst he's traveling. He's doing all this stuff. So it was nice to have someone who was clearly philosophically approaching travel in the same way, but he'd already got an idea of what he wanted to do. It just took a lot of the pressure off me. I was glad to have that little bit of a break. That's wicked. Is Sri Lanka somewhere you've been before then, Johnny? No, first time. Uh, my best friend had been recently, so I just picked his brain, did some research on blog posts, and then kind of just... Yeah, of other travelers who've been here that you meet along the way, uh, just put a plan together. And I think it's, I think we've actually ticked off everything. And I don't think we've deviated from the original plan. Once. Yes. No, we haven't. The plan was good. Although one glaring hole in the plan, in my mind, was <laughs> basically, Adam, like I said, I was just willing to go along with anything. And Johnny pitched me on this idea. He said, oh, there's ever such a beautiful peak in Sri Lanka called Adam's Peak. It's this summit mm -hmm. where all the Christians say and the Muslims say that's where Adam, God's first human creation, lay his footprint on the earth. The right. Sri Lankan Buddhists say that's where Siddhartha Gautama nestled his tutsis into the ground. And it's a pilgrimage that all Sri Lankan people, Buddhists, have to go in order to see this footprint. And Johnny pitched me on it. He was like, honestly, mate sunrise we'll see the footprint it's gonna be amazing i got excited about it so elevated were our expectations and hopes that we procured another traveler an irish girl called orla she came with us and the three of us like wonderful musketeers of travel set off at the early time of 1 a.m to climb this peak right yeah um i'll be honest i completely base this off one person's opinion during covid in the off season whereas i think we went busy season on our saturday during a national holiday so i'd say those three criteria which obviously i i knew it was going to be a weekend wasn't aware it was a national holiday and this national holiday happened to be a very religious one so a lot of people undertook a pilgrimage this weekend i mean how many people do you think there was on that mountain it was absolutely insane wasn't it it's Twenty thousand, maybe i don't know and it's not that the the actual route is seven kilometers from bottom to top so it's not like it's a massive you know long path that there's going to be people stringing along with only ones and twos it was and we can get into it chock a block shall we say uh, or even a standstill at times um which was kind of difficult up to him in the morning in the pouring rain crazy oh my goodness i mean i think the only time i've i've maybe felt something similar is when you're exiting a football stadium and you've got tens of thousands of people trying to cram themselves through turnstiles and down roads to get different trains. So it really tainted your experience of the whole thing, I assume, and you wouldn't recommend going 
it's almost exactly like that, Adam. It's like leaving a football stadium. If the journey out of the football stadium was entirely uphill, football fans are replaced with religious pilgrims and the elation of having won a football game is replaced with a sort of somber desire to see the potential of a footprint at the top of a mountain. It started raining incredibly heavily. We were all absolutely soaked through. All the blesser was setting pace, powering on up the mountain. Mm. We left at 1am, as I mentioned before. We end up in a queue to see this footprint for maybe an hour and a half soaked through. But if had we left even an hour later, by the time we walked down the mountain, people were queuing for four hours, five hours, six hours to see this footprint. Wow. And then what was your frame of mind going into that? Did you kind of laugh it off and take it on the chin or were people frustrated by it? So we actually almost turned around. We got probably what we thought was to the top in hindsight was probably only two-thirds of the way because it was foggy and there was just these little street lights that you could see dotting its way up the mountain constantly tempting you they were like perhaps this is the end this ominous blue blinking light we were like that has to be it it was just like above a shop (laughs) it's just blinking well that's the other thing this entire way up the mountain is just lined on either side by market stalls the entire way which is just crazy they can you could get a full cooked meal sit down people were napping obviously I'd say it was quite strenuous. Would you agree? Like it wasn't easy in the slightest. Yeah. And because you have to do it at one point in your life, Mm. there's people doing it way beyond their natural skill level. There was like 80 year old women who were taking all night and all day to do it. And then there was people getting out of the way by carrying their two year old sons up to the top of the mountain, just like, I'll get him in this footprint now because he ain't going to want to do it when he's older. So, I mean, I wish someone had done that for me, frankly, when I was a kid, because it was hell doing it at the ripe old age of 29. Wow. Is it quite a touristy thing to do then or just something that lots of backpackers will do regardless of religion? I wouldn't say it was very touristy. I would say a minority of backpackers in Sri Lanka do this. And the ones that do are doing it mainly to see the sunrise at the top of the peak, right? But let me, t- I mean, let's talk about what was there at the top of the peak. You've got to remember, yeah. two hour hike at 1am, we'd been up you know, we we hadn't slept. We'd been having a couple of drinks. And so we were kind of marching up there, ready to see this site. I'd tell you the three of us, I was the most hopeful and expectant from a spiritual perspective. We know on this podcast, I'm partial to a little Buddhist bit of sightseeing, you know. We get there. It might have been one of the worst things I've ever queued for, regardless of anything else. <laughs> I would love to know what was worse, because in my mind, there, it is a clear number one in my entire life. <laughs> it was awful, wasn't it? A, a complete waste of my time. I mean, we're queuing for an hour and a half once we got to the top of the mountain. You're sort of shuffling through into this little temple, shoes off. Shoes off, wet socks still on, walking on wet concrete. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And um, um, we get there. What did you see, Johnny, when you finally get up to the altar? When you only have about five seconds of time in front of this this gap in, in, in this facade, you see <laughs> covered... Well, you don't even know what's really there, right? It's a gold-lined temple offering area, I would say. Yeah. Some would do a lot of temples. A bed sheet across an indent in earth that you can only assume is the vague outline of a footprint, but it's like 1.8 meters long, so it definitely didn't belong to any real person, you know? Oh my goodness. Unless unless Siddhartha part-timed as Sasquatch, it was like impossible. That's so strange. What a shame. So it was really anticlimactic, and then on the way down, you just... 
you know, head in your hands thinking. Well, so the thing was, the main reason I, I wanted to climb is because I love climbing mountains. I love summiting and I love, you know, watching sunrise and sunsets. That was the main reason why I wanted to do it besides the spiritual side of things. Yeah. And we actually decided because it was so busy and horribly like congested at the top, we decided not even to stay up for sunrise. We left at about 5 a.m., about one hour before sunrise, because we were just that miserable. We effed right down <laughs> back the mountain. It was nuts. We were, honestly, my face coming out of that temple. <laughs> Johnny, I was depressed, wasn't I? Yeah. Face like thunder. I was, I, I was already depressed before we entered, because, you know, that was just an afterthought, the footprint for me personally. So I, I had more time to, to reconcile with this issue that we had. Alan still had his hopes up. He thought this beautiful gold temple will have this incredible sight yeah and you had about three seconds it took probably 2.9 seconds to right. understand what you were looking at yeah and then you get shuffled out the other side of the, the temple because there's there's a lot of stuff right like you you look at this bed sheet over the footprint and there's like gold adornments and a mala and like a mandala and all these things so you've got about two seconds to process it all and then you shuff it out by like uh there was like security guards in moth-ridden garb because there was a lot of moths up at the top of the mountain for some reason. They were covered. Each security guard had about 10, 15, 30 moths all about his person. It was That was probably a bit more interesting sight. Yeah, Mothman was the highlight, I'll be honest. They weren't atta attached to us for whatever reason. This gentleman's, I don't even know how you describe that coat, long overcoat was just riddled with them and we self-proclaimed Mothman. Mothman, uh, riddled with moths. Yeah. He was the most interesting thing about the top of that mountain. So here on Tropology, we almost never give five-star reviews. One star for Adam Peak. Oh my goodness. Your eponymous peak. One star. And I'm trying to visualize the way up. The the way up, did you, was there opportunity to overtake people or was the volume of people just so high that it was just crowds going up at a really slow pace? Initially, Adam, but there's a hell of a bottleneck. Mm -hmm. So you can overtake at the start, but ultimately the long line of elderly people trying to get to the top of the mountain is insurmountable to a point. And then you're kind of at the, yeah, the whims of everyone else's pace. And then at the very top, it was just standstill. We stood for maybe 45 minutes without moving. Yeah. And then gradually, just step by step, every couple of minutes, you'd move forward a foot until eventually you got to this yeah. mecca, shall we say. I mean, Adam, we were angry about it at the time. This is a couple of weeks ago now that we've now got the opportunity to tell this story. But what we did was, just after we came down the mountain, Johnny, Ola and I sat in what can only be described as a hot tub in a room uh, here in Sri Lanka. And we told the story of Adam's Peak while the feelings were still visceral. That is available on our Patreon. As this episode goes live, you go to patreon.com forward slash Tropology Podcast. If you want to hear Ola, Johnny and I spout lyrical about how much we thought this hike was just an uncomfortable cacophony of chaos... It's difficult to calm down from Adam, but we will. We're going to go on a brief meditation break. See you in a sec. And just like three weary travellers coming down from Adam's Peak, our conscious minds return down into our brains after that beautiful meditation break. Adam, Johnny here. He's been a wonderful travel companion. And as such, we decided, wouldn't it be wonderful if the three of us, Johnny, Ola and I, and then for a brief time, just me and Johnny, rented a tuk-tuk to explore Sri Lanka. The reason we did that was because 
motorbikes, they're okay. Scooters, they're all right. Taxis are fine. But the real traditional way to explore this wonderful egg-shaped island is via the mechanism of transport known as the tuk-tuk. It was a hell of an experience. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no, I'd love to. I don't know how long you'd been planning this. Was it something that you knew of before you got there? Because uh, I've always wanted to drive one, but I've heard some stories from people we've had on the podcast before that they're they're not always the easiest in terms of the mechanics. When was the genesis of our desire for a tuk-tuk? I'm not quite sure. I, I think it wasn't that long-term planning. I think it was maybe three or four days before. I think probably maybe after Adam's peak, we realized we needed a pick-me-up, potentially. Yeah, someone suggested a tuk-tuk, and it was one of those ideas that once thrown out there, all of our minds sort of latched onto it as being a chance for salvation, both spiritual and travel-wise. We were desperate for that tuk-tuk. At one point, me and all were hatching a plan to get some pipes, and we were all going to go around in a tuk-tuk with pipes and flat caps on, like posh gentlemen's. That never transpired. But we did get the tuk-tuk, a bright red affair. It, we, we dubbed it Raphael, Allah, the mutant ninja turtle with the red bits on him. Right. We loved that thing, didn't we? It was a love-hate relationship. Yeah, definitely quite a lot of hatred on my part uh, for various reasons that we'll get into. But I think overall, a great experience. Uh, just happy we only had it for five days out of our four weeks in Sri Lanka. Now, there's a recurring joke that happens on Tropology, Johnny, about my driving ability. Adam's witnessed me rap a little farm vehicle around a fence. There's been all sorts of sort of tragic accidents. I've had a few motorcycle crashes in my time. I don't have an international driver's license. So Johnny was tasked with not just the vast majority of the driving of the tuk-tuk, but all of the driving of the tuk-tuk. I got in the tuk-tuk just a couple of times, and you can see those exact times on our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash topology podcast, because I just got in for the purposes of content. No actual driving was done by yours, truly. Not on the public road. Yeah. Private, private roads, don't worry. <laughs> private roads only, yeah. Yeah. So, Johnny, you can explain a little bit about the actual driving process. Yeah, so I... I had never driven a tuk-tuk before. Uh, Adam, you're completely right. They are, I wouldn't say intuitive in the slightest. Uh, they are a fully manual motor vehicle that has a lot of odd quirks, shall we say, in terms of the clutch and how the gears work and whatever else. And if you wanted to, I'm sure you could Google it. Right. But it made it very difficult to drive, especially initially. And as you can probably imagine, the roads in Sri Lanka are pretty chaotic. There are people overtaking at all times. There's buses flying around corners on the wrong side of the road. And it just means that if you're at all a little bit nervous, it's a pretty hard experience at times. I think overall, I got the hang of it pretty quickly and didn't really have any scares in any time. I think you did amazing. Yeah. Because it seems quite flippable, the talk talk. Oh yeah, it really does. And you have to be, you can feel it actually kind of when you're turning around a corner slightly too fast, you actually have to kind of straighten it, brick, and then continue steering because you feel the I'm sure it's not close to tipping, but I imagine it wouldn't take much to flip one of them. But we did not, fortunately. Wow. Yeah, just on that note, do you feel like you have maybe a, a level of protection that you don't have from a motorbike or a scooter because you've got the roof over you? Uh, yeah, you would definitely feel safer. And I, I think it was 
even the fact yeah, you're kind of enclosed like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle in a lot of ways actually. Oh, you know? full circle yeah, a bit like circle. the eponymous Raphael we felt turtled up inside that thing and obviously you've got the added benefit you can all put your bags in the back of it it's quite good from that sense but Johnny wasn't just tasked with meandering around Sri Lanka dropping others off from city to city Johnny had to do some crazy things in that tuk-tuk that in any vehicle car, motorbike or otherwise would have been a challenge we entered with Raphael Raphael, what is dubbed by locals and travellers alike, Elephant Road. Right. Can you guess why, Adam? Have you got any concept as to why this road's been named after a pachyderm? I've got a few ideas. Do there happen to be elephants in the surrounding area? You'd be surprised to learn, Adam, there definitely is. So there you are ripping through in a red tuk-tuk named after a ninja turtle and having to dodge Huge elephants. <laughs> famously, animals don't get enraged by the colour red at all. <laughs> this famously, you're almost invisible to these great beer moths when you're zipping past in a bright red vehicle. But yeah, we had to do that. Johnny, how was that experience? It was crazy. It was incredible. Uh, we survived. There was a couple of close calls. It's not just a five-minute drive. It's 45-kilometre stretch of road oh, between shit. a northern town called Ella and the coastline of Sri Lanka. Uh, called the B35 is the actual road name. Is it? Yeah, B35 slash Elephant Road. And it's for the, this national park called Yala. Yala National Park, super famous for its leopards and also its elephants. Oh my God. Uh, I'd say the first half, just normal driving, you know, bush-lined road. So you never really knew if an elephant was just going to step out at any time. So anytime there was no traffic, I was just driving straight down the middle of it to give me time to react sure. if an elephant did come charging out. But you would see... Their elephant dung, you would see gaps in the foliage, 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 uh, where they would have come out in previous experiences. So I was constantly on edge. Um, I was telling these two in the back, Orla and Alan, look out either side. I don't have, I can't look left and right. If an elephant charges out and starts chasing us, let me know yeah. so I can pick up the speed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the first time we saw one, there was just an elephant. It just came out of nowhere, just standing on the right hand side of the road. And it was just, munching on some trees they managed to look quite a lot like other things from a distance elephants yeah. actually despite being huge and gray in an otherwise green environment you often think they're just a rock or a boulder until you get close and realize that that boulder has a face and that face is looking directly at you with what can only be described as intellect and it's regarding you as sort of its enemy as you barrel towards it and it's interrupting its meal so it's quite ominous isn't it and, and these elephants aren't friendly all the time if you google elephant attacks in sri lanka you will see countless videos and stories and blog posts about elephants attacking tuk-tuks. We met on, someone who's on this road. flip. Yeah. So I would recommend everyone doing that. Fortunately, that didn't happen to us. We no tuk-tuk flippage in this case. Yeah. But uh, it that was in the back of my mind. And I did not tell these two that that was a thing until after we survived Elephant Road because I didn't want them being scared. Oh, I like it. In the back. Famously, you know, I'm such a skittish character no. that I would have been all frenetic and anxious if I knew that the elephants were tuk-tuk flippers. Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. So it's ill-advised against your better judgment. And was it because you needed to use that road to get where you were going or did you kind of make a detour in order to have this experience with the elephants? We, that is the main road to get to this Yala National Park, which was a bucket list for me. I really wanted to see leopards. You could obviously have detoured it by probably taking an extra eight hours or something to loop around the entire island of Sri Lanka. But that is the route that Google takes you. It's whenever I talked to locals about it, they said, yes, go for it. Just follow some advice. Like if you see an elephant, stop 200 meters away, take your time, see if it moves. If it doesn't move, follow a local through in a bigger car and a truck or a lorry. Uh, so we took that all on board. And yeah, fortunately, 
I love how the elephants profile you. They're like, is this person a local? <laughs> You've got to wait for a local to go through because the elephants are just calmer around them. But yeah, there's elephant attacks all the time, man. It's crazy. And when we did go to Yala National Park and we did see leopards, it was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? We got very lucky. We saw a mating couple. They walked five, six meters to the left of our Jeep, just out of the blue. Uh, and then we had about five minutes uninterrupted uh, time with the leopards, which was incredible. I don't know if you know this, but Adam, up until this point, was known as Tropology's leopard spotter. He's had a famous encounter with the clouded leopard. It's a shame to be dethroned by two people on the podcast now who saw two leopards simultaneously and were with them for five minutes. So how, how do you feel about that, my friend? I'm very happy for you. I can't be anything but very pleased that you were able to... Be so sweet. <laughs> No, that's incredible. And I saw a clouded leopard, which I would say is about the size of a medium dog, whereas the leopard you saw, I imagine, is much larger. The size of two mastiffs sellotaped together. Yeah. So it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing, man. And to be honest, things I maybe wouldn't have done or had the intuition to do or known about if I didn't just crowbar my way into Johnny's travel plans. So a little bit of advice to the Tropology audience. If you meet someone who you like socially and they have a very stringent idea of what they want to do, why not ask them if you can come along? Would you, Johnny, say, and this is a leading question, that your travels in general have been enhanced by my presence? <laughs> the highs have been higher and the lows have been lower. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> I, I would, yes, overall, massively positive experience, I would say. You've, you've added great value. Solo traveling, I'm sure you've talked about it before. I, I love solo traveling, but it's also great sometimes to, to split it up a little bit and have someone with you, especially a good friend like, like Alan. Well, I mean, what, one, would argue, one would argue that if you weren't solo traveling in India and Sri Lanka, you wouldn't have had Alan join you. Yeah, well, yeah. that's true. That is the nature of solo travel. Is we always kind of talk about this idea of solo travel, group travel. Solo travel often becomes group travel by the nature of you set yourself up to be a person that other people can join. You can go on adventures. We were a one, then we were a two, then with all the we were a three. With that tuk tuk Raphael, we were a four journeying on together. I, it's been a very Patreon content heavy week because me and Johnny also recorded what can only be described, I think, as the very first podcast from a tuk-tuk. It's a video podcast and that'll be on Patreon this week as well. So there is no better time but to join Tropology Podcast on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Tropology Podcast. Hear the tale with Johnny Aller and I. Hear me and Johnny talk about a tuk-tuk from the back of a tuk-tuk. I mean, why not? It'd be an incredible experience to treat yourself to a little Patreon subscription. That's amazing. I really look forward to hearing more. Johnny, thanks so much for, for spending time with us. Thank you for having me on, both of you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Adam, anything you want to quickly leave the, the Tropology audience with? It's been another Adam light week here, so give them hell. Uh, got some interesting developments happening on my side. I've been in the UK for a week and a half. Initially, I thought I was going to be here for maybe about three weeks, but you know what it's like. You come back home and you sort of, uh, things, things don't change as much as you would hope. And now that I'm this much closer to Europe, I can't sit still. So stay tuned. There's some cool things on the horizon and I might even be flying to Spain or Portugal in a couple of days time.
Oh my goodness, you beautiful traveller. Well, that just about concludes this week of Tropology. You're planning things, planning on leaving the UK once again, going travelling. Me and Johnny have been learning to surf. We're getting beat up on the regular by salty waves, trying to learn to balance, trying to learn how to just chill out and ride the Earth's movements. But as of yet, we've been largely unsuccessful. More on that perhaps next week. You can follow us on all social media at Tropology podcast share the podcast with your friends and family we love to have you on board stay tuned for the lost and found section after the podcast that's only available on patreon yeah man adam i'm gonna blast off to next week will you join me i will i'll see you there heroes in a half shell yeah heroes in a half shell turtle power baby we'll see you next week <laughs> bye bye, bye. <laughs>